Well, tonight, I'm going to be looking at a few passages of Scripture. I'm not going to be bouncing you all over the place, but a few uh, Scriptures that I want to share and um, speak to you about tonight, something that the Lord put on my heart. But uh, before we do, if we could just, uh, I'd like to pray and ask the Lord to, to bless our time together. Father, I just come in here tonight like everybody else on a, on a Wednesday night, and midweek with a lot of things on our minds and um, burdens of this life and cares and things that we're dealing with. And just ask that you would help us to set them aside for just a few minutes and uh, just focus on you so that we could hear from you, Lord. I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon our hearts and upon our minds um, and that you would just anoint your word and you would speak. Lord, that uh, what is to be shared here tonight as if it was coming directly from you and that it would minister in a, in a powerful way and, and impact us, Lord, and just give us insight and revelation and uh, understanding and uh, just bless this time that we have in your word. So we just commit it over to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. You know, if you come to a church service like this, probably any church service, it's likely that there's three types of people in the room. One would be people who are just walking with the Lord closely and, and just in that great intimate fellowship and, and walking. There may be people who you're walking, but you might not be walking too closely, maybe drifted a bit or in a space that you don't want to be in, but that's where you are. And perhaps there's some folks that have come in here tonight. Maybe you're just trying out this church for the first time or you're coming in here and you don't walk with the Lord at all. And... Um, Tonight's message is really just a communion message. We're going to be partaking of communion here uh, in just a little while. And the message is really focused on that. And it's to prepare our hearts and get us ready for doing just that and partaking of the elements, the bread and the cup. And the basis for this message is really a, I'll call, a revelation from revelation. Um, I've been studying revelation for almost a couple of years now and, and teaching it through a couple of Bible studies. And um, when I got to Revelation chapter 14, the Lord impressed something on my heart that caused me to have to stop and, and ponder. And, and my hope is that the message tonight would actually minister to all three of the groups that I refer to. Because if you're walking close with the Lord, I pray that it would just be something that you can appreciate and, and, and really be encouraged by. And if you're not walking close with the Lord, but you have walked with the Lord, that this would be an appeal to just recognize um, what the Lord has done for us and what we have in Christ and, and return um, and come close to him. And if you're not walking at all, there's an invitation here to come to Christ so that you can partake and receive uh, the things that we will look at tonight. And my message tonight is, I say, a simple approach. It's me just, I'm sharing with you my heart because it's something that the Lord put in my heart. And in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 3 and, and 4, um, Paul was speaking to the Corinthians and writing to them about the gospel. And uh, you guys are familiar with that verse, I'm sure. But he said there uh, that I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. And then he went on to talk about the gospel, that, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And the takeaway that I would love about that verse is that it's the first part. I'm only sharing with you what I've been taught and I really believe to be a teacher, you have to be taught first. And the Lord has you know, taught me something here. And really, that's all I really want to do is share with you tonight what he showed me. And uh, the one big takeaway that I want you to have tonight 
after we're done here is uh, really to perhaps not look at the communion elements and specifically the cup, because that's where we're going to focus most of our attention on, in the same way. And uh, we all have sort of a thought when we take communion about what that cup represents, and we'll talk about that. Um, But this revelation sort of had a big impact on my heart, and since that time, quite frankly, it's changed the way that, that I see this, and it's only been in the last six, seven months that this has really been, you know, heavy on my heart. And I hope it's the same for you. And uh, the goal tonight is to answer the question that's probably up on the screen behind me, from which cup do you drink? And so we'll talk about the cup. And I'm going to talk about three scenes from the Bible and three cups. Um, And we'll just look at these three passages of Scripture and look through them, the scene and the cup in each one of them, and then tie it all together. So if you want to turn to Matthew 26, if you haven't already, um, the first scene that we're going to look at is uh, verses 26, 27, and 28. And um, I'll read those to you in just a sec once you get there. So it says in verse 26, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So this first scene, scene number one, is the upper room. It's the Last Supper. And this is the institution of the Lord's Supper, uh, you know, as we celebrate that, or what we refer to as communion. And we partake of the bread and the cup here tonight and do often here. And uh, Jesus and the disciples were gathered there in the upper room, and Jesus took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and we all know that. And he gave it to the disciples and said, Take this and eat. It's my body. And then he took the cup and did the same thing, said to them, drink from it, all of you, this is my blood. And um, in, in a few minutes, you're going to be able to hold that cup. And so in this first scene, we see this uh, Lord's Supper being instituted and the first cup being referenced. So scene one in the upper room and the first cup being uh, what this cup represents. And this is a cup of forgiveness. It's really what we could take away from this. It's Jesus' blood, he says, this is a representation of that, and it's the blood of the new covenant. And uh, it's new because it's speaking of grace, and it's speaking of mercy, and not old, and speaking of the law, and, and the legal requirements that we had. And it says that it was shed for the remission of sins. That's the purpose of this cup, and that's what this cup is about. And remission um, is an important thing for us to understand, because the meaning of this word in the Greek is to release from bondage or imprisonment. It's forgiveness or pardon of sins. It's letting them go as if they had never been committed. So this is the cup of the blood for the remission of sins, that our sins had never even been committed. That's what we have in this cup. And so cup number one in scene number one is the upper room and a cup of forgiveness. Then we skip a little bit further ahead in the same chapter. If you want to go down to uh, verse 36 here, we'll come upon our second scene, and we'll talk about our second cup. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. So after the time in the upper room, they went out and went to the garden. And he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, just as as you as I will, but not as I will, but as you will. 
Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation, and the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. In this particular scene, Jesus is praying and asking the Father three different times, if it's possible, could this cup from which I'm about to drink be passed from me? Yet nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And it was during these three prayers that we see now this, the reference to the second cup that I want us to consider tonight. And the second cup mentioned three times in verse 39 and 42 specifically, and I think implied in verse 44 that he's praying those same words. This cup represents something completely different. Uh, Jesus referred to this cup actually previously in Matthew chapter 20, verse 22, when the mother of James and John asked if his sons could sit at his right and his left hand in his kingdom. If you remember, that was quite a request that they asked. And uh, he said, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? To which, of course, they said, sure we can. <laughs> but they knew there's no way that they could, they could do that. And this cup represents something different. It represents the wrath of God. And that wrath was about to be put upon Jesus when he would drink that cup by going to the cross. And it would be the sins of the world that were put on Jesus, every one of them, because the penalty for the sins needed to be paid, and they have to be paid, they're due. And there's a price to be paid for that in order to reconcile man and God back to one another. So it was for this purpose, Jesus said in John chapter 12, why he came. He said, you know, that I came for this purpose to this hour, Father, glorify your name. So here we see a second cup. A cup of wrath. So scene two, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, and cup number two, a cup of wrath. And now I want you to jump ahead to what really got me thinking about this, because I think everything I've shared so far would probably be pretty straightforward, and yeah, we're, we're aware of this. But jump ahead to Revelation chapter 14. I just want to look at verses 9 and 10. This is the passage that actually inspired me and got me chewing on this and thinking about it and actually doing some further study and it sort of turned into what I'm sharing tonight. And this scene here is a proclamation from an angel. And there's actually in verses 6 through 13, which I'm not going to go over all of that, there's three proclamations of three different angels uh, coming and, and making uh, these uh, statements. And um, it's really concerning those who worship the beast and his image and receive his mark during the end time. So in the midst of the, the great tribulation, those who have um, aligned themselves with the beast, this is what this message is for. And it's a declaration that such a person will drink of the wine of the wrath of God. It says here in verse 9 that the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence 
of the Lamb. So here we have a third scene, the great tribulation in the end times, and those who align themselves, they pledge their allegiance to the beast, and we see a third cup, the cup of God's indignation. And in the Greek, this speaks to his temper and his anger and his judgment being poured out um, upon an unbelieving and rebellion and uh, rebellious world and those that have rejected him. And this wrath of God, it says here, is being poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. And I don't know about you, but I read something like that and just say, that's not a cup that I'd like to drink from. I don't think any one of us would want to be uh, the one that drinks from that cup. So here we have a third scene, end times, and a third cup, a cup of indignation or a cup of wrath, the same a cup of wrath of God. And so we've now looked at three scenes and we've looked at three cups. And what I want to do is tie this all together and see how it makes sense here and applies to us, especially as we're about to partake of communion in a little bit. And uh, this is where I think I want you to walk away saying, wow, I might look at this a little bit different the next time I hold that cup in my hand. And does it make a difference to me? Maybe another perspective that I've, that I've never had before. And here's, here's the takeaway. Each of the three scenes here had a cup that was referenced. And even though I've said three scenes and three cups, actually there's technically only two cups because two of the cups out of the three scenes are actually one and the same. In Matthew chapter 26, uh, we looked at, and also in Revelation 14, we noted a cup that represented the same thing. It's the cup of the wrath of God. And so there's really a cup of wrath and a cup of judgment, if you will, that comes from God. And this is the cup that we all deserve to drink from. Instead of drinking from the cup that we actually get to drink from. Because the sins that we have become committed, that's the penalty that's due, is to drink that cup of wrath of God. That's what belongs on us, uh, rightfully so. We're all guilty. And apart from Christ, we're all destined to actually drink from that cup. Um, and if you're not a believer here, that is the fate of an unbeliever. In John 3.18, he wrote that he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So Jesus you know, is very clear about this, is that you know, if you don't believe, you may not think you're condemned, but you actually are condemned already, and we are. We're guilty. And one might look at those in the end times and say, yeah, Mike, well, that's Revelation 14, and I'm not going to be here because I'll be raptured out, and that doesn't really apply to me, and I'm not going to be following the beast. So clearly that's not me as, as a believer, and, and that's true. Um, but if you're someone who does not believe, then it isn't really any different. That's the cup you will drink from, and that cup is not pleasant. You know, It's a cup of wrath. But there's another option, and that's the first cup that we looked at, and that's the cup of forgiveness. And the compelling thought that I had, and I, it really got burned into me, and I want to sort of burn it into your brains and, and your memory bank, if you will, is to consider that communion element, and especially when you drink from that cup the next time you do, that the cup that you drink that represents the blood of Christ that was shed for your, the remission of your sins, you know, on the cross, Jesus drank of that cup. He drank of the cup of wrath that was intended for me and it was intended for you. That's what he did there. And that's what he was praying about in the garden. And he drank of that cup so that we don't have to. 
And just to sink in for that for a second and say, that's, the cup, that's what he took upon himself in the drinking of that cup. And he did it so that we could be completely cleansed. You know, so that we could be made righteous, so that in the sight of God we could be reconciled, so that any sin that we've ever committed is as if it never even existed or never even happened, and that we could be made at peace with the Father. That's what him drinking that cup means to us. So here's the consideration, and you know, say, have you ever thought about it this way? But when you drink from that communion cup, it's a privilege to be able to drink of that cup of forgiveness rather than drinking from the cup that you were meant to drink from, which is the cup of wrath. And it is the same cup that will be referenced in in Revelation 14 that those people would drink from. But we too would drink from the same cup had it not been for Jesus going to the cross and doing that. And I think, you know, doctrinally speaking and thinking about the cup when we drink it, yes, we know it's a symbol of the blood of Christ. We know that it washes our sins. We confess our sins. We're grateful for that. I'm sure a lot of us have our own ways in which we receive the bread and the cup and and what we do personally in our quiet time as we're doing that. But this thought is, do you look at it this way and say, wow, this is a privilege. I wouldn't be drinking from this cup if Jesus wouldn't have drank the other cup. I'd be drinking from that cup. And I'd have no shot at reconciliation to the Father, no chance whatsoever. And, you know, Paul wrote uh, in 1 Corinthians 11 about the Lord's Supper. And uh, quoting Jesus, he said, you know, do this in remembrance of me. You know, he, he wrote that to the, to the Corinthians there. And I think as you partake tonight, I would just ask you to remember this point. That you're drinking from the cup of forgiveness that was only made possible because he went to the cross. And that cup was meant for you and it was meant for me. And we could be drinking of it without his cup. But we get to drink from the cup that frees us instead of the cup that has, you know, that chains us and, and, bond, and puts bondage over us. The penalty of sin is removed because we get to do that. And so my hope is that you walk away tonight, you know, that I've accomplished a goal here, that you at least look at it a little bit differently. Um, and not look at the elements the same way. And especially don't look at the cup the same way. And think about this, because if you're one of those three groups that I, you know, in one of those three groups that I mentioned, you know, does this encourage you? You know, can you walk away saying, wow, I, I've been encouraged by that. And, and as you partake tonight, just express your appreciation for the fact that, thank you, Lord, that I don't have to drink from that cup. In addition to, thank you, Lord, that this cup actually covers my sins and washes them away. But also, it means I don't have to do and and drink from that other cup. And if you're not walking close with the Lord, you know, I hope that this message reminded you that you can be. And that we just need to repent and return and, and get right with him so that we can partake of that. And recognize what that cup actually means and not, and not drift from it and not take advantage of it, but be convicted and say, yeah, I want to get right. And now's the time. Today's the day um, to do that. And if you're not walking with God at all and you're here and you don't have a relationship and you want to be right with him, hopefully you recognize what Jesus has done for you and for every one of us. And if you have a desire to want to go ahead and give your life to Christ and make that commitment, then there'll be guys in the back and I would ask you to go talk to them so that you could partake tonight and recognize what that is uh, and what it means for you and be able to drink from the cup of forgiveness because that's what it's all about. 
And so I just want to say and, and leave this phrase with you that, you know, Jesus drank the cup of wrath on your behalf. If you don't remember anything else I said tonight, just remember that. Jesus drank the cup of wrath on your behalf. And that's something to recognize when I hold that cup in my hand. And when that sort of revelation came to me, I just went, wow, Lord, I've always looked at your cup as having value to me, but just not from that particular perspective. That changed every time. Every time we've had communion since then, it's just sort of changed something in me to recognize that because I think back to, hey, those people in Revelation 14, oh yeah, that's for those guys. No, it would be for me too had he not done what he had done. And so that's something to celebrate. So that's why I, I titled the message, and I'll leave you with the question, you know, from what cup, from which cup do you drink? Do you drink from the cup of forgiveness or do you drink from the cup of wrath? And, uh, and I pray that you drink from the cup of forgiveness and, and, and appreciate that and be encouraged by that because we were singing it earlier, but, you know, Jesus, you are all to us. You're all to us. I mean, just that's what he's done for us. And uh, it's a simple message, but um, really powerful. And it definitely has impacted me, and I hope, I hope it has you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit that brings your word uh, just alive to us, to, to have understanding, to have insight and, and revelation. And uh, Lord, I just pray that tonight your word has accomplished your purpose and what you wanted it to do. For me, thank you, and for everyone else, Lord. And so um, I do just pray, Lord, for anyone that's here that might not be walking close with you, that just needs to get right tonight, that you would move upon their heart and, and, and impress upon them the importance of just coming back to you, Lord, that you just are there with open arms. And uh, we just need to make that step to, to move towards you. And, and if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, I just pray that uh, you would move them to, to, to get up and go back and, and talk with someone and just say, yeah, I want to do that and I want to be in the kingdom, and I want to drink from the cup of forgiveness, and pray that you would do that. And for the rest of us, Lord, would you just encourage us tonight as we come to you and, and celebrate and recognize what you've done for us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.